And one of the things we talk about is if we don't give effort, if we're not recognized for effort at the University of Oklahoma, then I'm a con man and they're a fraud. Alright guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine, man. You guys can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you guys can get a podcast. So, really appreciate if you guys would give us a five-star review, because it makes it make uh, other people see it easier. And we just really appreciate it. But, I'm your host, Kamir Mrabian. I'm going solo tonight, guys. Just solo tonight. Realized halfway through this week, or I guess this evening that we didn't even do a podcast this week. And I was like, eh, well, I guess it had to do with the bye week. So let's talk about the bye week, and let's talk about a couple other things that have to do with this. So going into this, we don't even know, like going into TCU week for sure, we don't know if the Sooners have actually won the bye week. Now, you say that, and you might think, well, what the hell is he talking about? And I'm going to say, I mean you got to get past those COVID tests during the week. And that means, did you survive the bye week by doing what you were supposed to? Or did you do the bye week by celebrating OU Texas a little too much? Of course, you have the TCU game. So you'll find out as a direct indicator if Oklahoma won the bye week. And then, of course, did you win the bye week by adjusting the lineups? Because every single year, Oklahoma adjusts the lineups after Texas. And usually they're good ones. Man, it's usually pretty frustrating to find out that, of course, you need to have that Texas game go badly or okay to make adjustments. Most notably, I'm talking about Woody Washington, David Aguaybu, and honestly, the left tackle on Oklahoma's offensive line, of course. And so let's talk about Woody Washington. He played in Trey Brown's spot quite a bit, man, quite a bit. During the Red River shootout, showdown, whatever the heck you want to call it. And, you know, he made plays. And to Trey Brown's credit, he made plays too. He got robbed of one interception, but had the game-clinching one as well. And so, I mean, both guys played well. Uh, you saw a little bit more of Trey Brown than you did of Woody Washington. But I think going forward, Oklahoma's going to be filtering Woody Washington quite a bit. And so, David Aguebu is a really, really interesting kind of factor going on because... Deshaun White is a great inside linebacker. He's a get-or-done kind of guy, but he doesn't have that next-level kind of superstardom frame that David Aguebu does. David Aguebu is incredibly long. He's very strong. He's got a quick first step. He's not a freak athlete in the, in the way that Kenneth Murray is. He has a different set of skills that are going to make him elite, though. And David Aguebu, man, he could be a lot of things. He could be an excellent rush edge. He could be excellent in the middle. And so he's just, he's a variety of positions he could be played at. And so you're, you're thinking you're, you're thinking your lucky stars that he's had Brian Odom from the get-go, whereas Kenneth Murray, you saw him unlocked in one season under uh, Brian Odom. And so you get to see what Aguebu gets to look like, you know, just in his second year. And I'm really curious what he will be able to do. In the coming years, like, I'm curious if he supplants Deshaun White or Brian Asamo going forward, or if he's one of those guys that you just filter in during the game heavily, heavily, and just ride the hot hand, which I could see. Now, offensively on the offensive line, man, 
that, that Texas game was frustrating that Oklahoma rolled out Eric Swenson and Anton Harrison once again staggering them. I'm never going to understand why they they stagger them. Why are they staggering them? It's pretty clear Eric Swenson, if he's even marginally better, just by a sliver, you need to sit him. Sit him down. Because, first of all, he's one of the reasons why... He is one of the reasons why Spencer Rattler got dinged up a little bit in that first half. And secondly, if Anton Harrison, a true freshman, is really duking it out with a guy that's a redshirt junior four years on campus, and his his floor is that high as, I guess, Swenson's ceiling is that low, you have to go with Anton Harrison. Because if it's just his floor is that high... His ceiling's much higher than Swenson's would ever be, and you need to give him more playing time. Now Now you get an All-American in Chris Murray, who's eligible, and all of a sudden he's going to take snaps and take reps. It could be quite easily that he's going to be your starting left tackle, so which would be three starting left tackles in, what, five games? Oh, my goodness. But it could, it could happen. I'm not saying it's going to, but it could. Now, for sure, the bye week, both offensive lines needed it. Oklahoma, again, left guard through right tackle, played up a really solid game for Oklahoma. And then when Anton Harrison got in for some regularity and some consistency, man, he played really well too. But my goal of that is they just need to stop staggering that left tackle. And, of course, whoever plays at left tackle, whether it's Harrison, whether it's Chris Murray, or God forbid, Eric Swenson, the offensive line needs to mesh a little bit more. And I think they will be. I think they'll be coming out a little bit more crisp as well. But we'll see because TCU, uh, they're good. They're good defensively. They have a system of bodies that they know where to put those bodies. Oklahoma's trying to get there. And the defensive line, I think I think uh, Isaiah Thomas got a little dinged up, but I think he'll be fine, of course, the TCU game. And I think they just need a lot of rest, man. They were they left it all on the field on on last slat, on last Saturday. And so getting this much rest in, just icing the body, recuperating, rejuvenating the body, uh, I think they really could have used it, man. And I, th- I think this is a really, really great opportunity for them to do that. Now, we'll see if there's anybody back over the next week or two. But, um, yeah, Oklahoma's defensive line, they just needed that rest so much. And I thought it might be interesting that Oklahoma's heading toward, you know, they're not playing Kansas State. They're not playing Iowa State. They're not playing Texas. And there's really only one more team on the roster, on the on, on deck that will try to run the ball a little bit more, and it, it's TCU, you know, because Kansas is going to try to pass the ball a little bit more, but, I mean, their running game is not that great with Puka Williams. Kansas is just in a world of hurt. OSU is going to try to run the, uh, try to run the ball, but they're going to have you in really, really big shotgun sets. Um, and then, of course, you look at Texas Tech and other guys there too as well. So, like, you're past the main teams that are really going to try just to drag the game out on the ground. So, I could see Oklahoma going at a 2-4-5 a lot more uh, to give a little bit more breathing room to the defensive line to keep on playing, especially if they're in a game where it's a good-on-good game where you can't filter in uh, third-string guys on the defensive line at the nose tackle and the tackle spot. So, I could see Oklahoma going at a 2-4-5, and that'd be interesting because I mean, you could have a, a bevy of playmakers out there. We could, you could have Perrion Winfrey in the middle with whoever else you want there at tackle. And then you could have, well, you could have Benito on one side, Aguebo on the other side, and then Deshaun White and uh, Brian Asamo as your linebackers. I mean, oh my gosh. Talk about speed. Talk about length. Talk about a lot of rushing skills. So I could see them lining up in that, especially for a Texas Tech team that doesn't run the ball that much. So we'll see how that goes. But hey, guys. 
I have a bit more to talk about. I have a bit more to talk about against next about next year's team. Justin Harrington tweeting out something that suggests some guys might be available for the TCU game. Kind of going on about Sam Ellinger's legacy and what ESPN wants to make it as far as Bo Nix is too as well. And then just a lot more games being played this weekend. The Sooners defense for next year. And then I got asked a bevy of questions like, and a lot of them they don't have to do with Sooner football. But I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna answer them in general. So um, we'll be right back with you guys right after the break. All right, guys. It is no mystery that Justin Harrington tweeted out something early this week, early, early this week. Um, and screenshots live forever. I think the tweet was up a good five minutes. I just happened to wake up when he tweeted it, I guess. And he mentions this. He said that Ronnie Perkins, Trajan Bridges, Ramondre Stevenson, and Seth McGowan would all be back versus TCU. And then, of course, I think a lot of us expected Seth McGowan to be back anyways. That's not what we're saying. It's just that what is going on? Because here's the here's the deal. I mean, he seemed pretty excited to, about the information, and it's it's quite possible that you know the guys told him like, yeah, we're another week away from playing, and Justin Harrington took that as one literal week instead of a game week, and um, maybe uh maybe that's legit. But I mean. I don't know. I, I can't see it being legit. I mean, of course, Seth McGowan was going to play because he was just ding the week before with a concussion. He'll be fine. Um, there's nothing to say it's true. There's nothing to say it's not true. But Lincoln has been pretty adamant that he has been pissed about this Ronnie Perkins situation, this Ronnie Perkins deal, because, I mean, he was supposed to play, what, against Texas? He was. He's, they, they said, oh, it's all approved for Iowa State. And then... Like, oh, he's going to play for the Texas game. And everybody thought, no, it's great. It's fantastic. And then after that, it was randomly like, no, well, he didn't finish up a few other tests. So, sorry, he's not he's not going to play during the during the Texas game. So, then you're thinking, well, what the hell's going on? And then it's kind of like in limbo this week. You know, you haven't heard anything about it. You haven't heard any, any adjustments by the NCAA. So that just part weirds me out. And so I don't know. Lincoln has been pretty adamant about it. He's been pretty doors just completely closed on it. So we have no indication that it's going to happen. And we have no indication that it won't happen. But I'll believe it when I see it. You know, I mean, I'd be surprised if Trajan Bridges and Ramondre Stevenson and those guys, I'd be surprised if they didn't serve this extra game suspension and then come back for Texas Tech. I'd be very surprised if that was, if they got that extra game off and no just said anything, you know. Um, But I mean, I feel like other guys in the business would have definitely needled that out by now. That, oh, so-and-so's been granted uh, the week of eligibility. They were, they've been reinstated. So I'd be very surprised if, you know, they, the, the powers that be, like the, the Jason Kersey's and the uh, Joe Bettner's and the wonderful other guys that break that stuff, uh, that that wouldn't be the same case about those guys knowing ahead of time and Lincoln not having to tell the entire crowd. So... I wouldn't count on it. I wouldn't count on it. And I'll talk about more about the TCU game in the middle of this week. We'll probably have somebody from Frogs of War. Um, that will be me, Steven, and, and Jack. So I'm just going solo for today. But, man, um, those dudes would move the needle, though. Let's say all, all four of those guys are back. Seth McGowan is going to be back. But I don't know if he's going to ha- have much playing time after what after what TJ Pledger put on against Texas. I mean, yes, he fumbled the ball. But, man, Pledger played a hell of a game. And... If the offensive line could really stick in there and Pleasure could really stick in there for um, pass uh, pass blocking, yeah, he's going to be good. And he, I really like him with this offense. But all four of those guys have moved the needle. 
Ronnie Perkins being back, of course, would alleviate issues with Isaiah Thomas. And yeah, Isaiah Thomas played with his hair on fire against Texas, and he would bring in not only depth, but hello, like all Big 12 quality depth, and he would take the spot probably. Trajan Bridges is another guy that I think would work outside, and Jay Hazelwood apparently is a few weeks away from definitely making his introduction into this season, and so it's convenient that he would play the four games, right? I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if they brought Jaden Jaden Hazelwood back, maybe not against Texas Tech, maybe against Texas Tech, who knows? Um, but for those last four games of the season, I wouldn't be surprised. So that way he could save eligibility, but who knows? Because Oklahoma's getting really close to getting Jaden Hazelwood back too. And so, but Trajan Bridges would make a difference. Ramondre Stevenson would make a hell of a difference. He's a tough runner. And he kind of, he kind of reminds you honestly about Damian Williams kind of guy. Can catch the ball, really good at pass blocking, knows where he's, knows what he's, doing, what he's doing. And, of course, all dudes would move the needle. And so you'd feel a little bit more comfortable about this team going down to Fort Worth if you had them. So for sure. But who doesn't move the needle is really Bo Nix, man. He He's suffering from Sam Ellinger syndrome, which is ESPN wants you to be so, so good. And you're not so so good. Bo Nix is average at best, but the ESPN there's there's just no. Are there any quality name brand quarterbacks in the SEC right now? I can't think of one. So no, that's why they're trying to make Bo Nix the the deal at Auburn, and he's not Bo. Bo Nix is not even Sam Ellinger, and that's me giving Ellinger some credit. He's not even Sam Ellinger. He, Sam Ellinger will will his team to the edge of victory and then subsequently fuck it all up like you saw against OU. He did it with five minutes left. The game should have been over, but he did it again. It was just as sweet because it was fourth overtime, which makes it even better because they were so close. He got them. They're all at the precipice of sending OU to one and three. And he throws another interception. You love to see it. You really do. And Sam Ellinger's legacy, I talked about this with the uh, – with the Orange Blood folks, or not Orange Blood, but Burnt Orange, Burnt Orange Nation with Gerald Goodridge, who's a fantastic guy. You guys should give him a follow. and a, Maybe not a follow on the podcast because he's a Texas guy, but he's a good guy, real good guy. And um, I mentioned to them, I was like, hey, y'all, what's this going to say about Like Sam Ellinger is one of the best quarterback Texas have ever had. Like Think about Sam Ellinger. Since 2000, who are their best quarterbacks? Chris Sims, Vince Young, Colt McCoy, and Sam Ellinger. Chris Sims, I don't remember him ever beating the Sooners. Vince Young, of course, he did, and he won that national title. Colt and Sam Colt McCoy and Sam Bradford, they had some fun duels for sure. And I think a lot of Sooner fans actually do uh, like Colt McCoy. Uh, he's respectable. He's a respectable guy and really liked the relationship him and Sam uh, developed. But then you have then you have Sam Ellinger, which Texas fans want to act like he's the best thing ever, and he is the best quarterback they've had since Colt McCoy, but he's also the only Texas quarterback, I believe, to lose to four different OU quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, of course, in the Big 12 title game, which Texas fans will want to forget. Jalen Hurts, and now Spencer Rattler. I mean, you could say five. You could say Tanner Mordecai, because he did lead a scoring drive for the Sooners, but it's incredible that Texas fans are going to view Sam Ellinger as one of the best quarterbacks they've ever had, and they they never they he lost four OU different quarterback four different OU quarterbacks. I mean, what else can you say? 
You got to the precipice of one championship, and it was a Big 12 title, and Oklahoma swatted your ass down. One chance to shut Oklahoma up. One chance you had to do it. And you couldn't do it. And then the subsequently, subsequent couple years after, especially in 2020, when not a lot of things were going right for the Sooners, the Oklahoma's just beating the hell out of Texas. Sam Ellinger wills them, wills them to overtime. Spencer Rattler turns on the lights, puts on a show. Sam Ellinger does what he always done. Throws the interception, ends the game, ISIS his legacy. He had a chance to send Oklahoma to 1-3 hell that season to go nuts. And couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Of course, he needed a team, but uh, Spencer Rattler made the throws. Spencer and uh, Sam Ellinger did not, man. Sam Ellinger did not. Let's talk about AP rankings and how dumb they are. Guys, come on. Just, just come on. I'm not going to say anything. They're stupid. The AP rankings are stupid. How are you going to rank Pac-12 and Oklahoma? And in the Big Ten. And I get it. People want to say, oh, they do it every year, Comier. They do it in the preseason poll. I get it. It's the preseason poll. And those are dumb, too. So that's why I don't get why ranking teams that have never played before is okay. And I think this is going to completely mess with any college football playoff. And And if they have one, if they have one, which they will for money, it better be a damn 18 playoff. With the stupid rankings they have right now, it better be an 18 playoff or even a damn 10-team playoff with a play-in game. It better be that way because that would be the only way to make sense to make sure the champion should get in. It's not fair to others if it's only four. That would be stupid. I don't I don't agree with six either. It has to be eight or ten to make sure you're getting their champion right in there with them. Okay, And also, I mean, why not? Teams like the teams like, you know, the playoff system and it's more fun and just adds more intrigue and also more money. So and that's what the NCAA and but these colleges and universities are trying to get out of this anyway. So you play good football, get rewarded with a lot more damn money. But let's talk about the Sooners team and particularly the defense next season. And because guys, oh my goodness, guys, I was thinking about this the other day. And I talked about it in the previous podcast and a couple of previous podcasts with Steven and he thinks Oklahoma, uh, their window of opportunity to play elite football, maybe at a national title level, opens in 2022. And I, I, I disagree. I think it opens in 2021. Uh, I think Clemson, I, I think Trevor Lawrence has gone after this year, especially after they win another national title. It would be pretty incredible, you know. Uh, but yeah, uh, Trevor Lawrence is gone. Alabama is really good, but they don't have that name brand quarterback. And of course, other things going on as well. But thinking about Oklahoma's, Oklahoma's offense will be fine. Their defense, they've got a lot of guys coming back. I mean, think about this. It's a possibility too. It's a 100% possibility. On the line, you have Perry and Winfrey, Jalen Redmond, and Ronnie Perkins. A rush edge through, uh, at rush edge through uh, the Sam, you got Nick Benito, Deshaun White, David Aguebu. You've got Jaden Davis, Woody Washington. I know people don't like Buki, but he can be really good. He can be really good if he's not being matched up against a guy that's like six foot seven. But Jaden Davis, Woody Washington, Buki, Justin Harrington. He's like gonna be. He wants to play cornerback, but he's like a 6'2", 220 guy, and he's he's good, good at safety along with Delaney Turner-Yale. 
gosh, guys, that's a that's a good defense, man. That's that's elite players at three different levels. And then you get guys coming back like Caleb Kelly, John Michael Terry, Joshua Eaton, Bryson Washington, Brian Asamoah, uh, Pat Fields, Jeremiah Cradell. A ton of really good depth. And you're bringing in more class, you're bringing more classes and more players that fit the scheme, that fit the body types that Alex Grinch wants to win and will win with. And that's that's where it's at, man. And it's incredible that this defense, I believe, is one year away from being really, really special. And and to mirror the offense that we can talk about later on in the season. I think, guys, again, I think this is this team, you know, they're two and two. Hell, they might finish six and four, and they probably will. That's okay. But they're going to be one of the best damn six and four teams, seven and three teams in the country. I think this is going to be one of the teams. I keep on coming back to that 99 team. It wasn't pretty. Oklahoma was very competitive in all the games they played. They were winning in several of the games. Hello, they were winning in all four of the games they played right now by double digits. And they just they just couldn't they just couldn't win. Uh, they didn't know how to win yet because they were a young team, particularly on offense. Oklahoma is still figuring out their identity, as well as the offensive line is just now figuring their stuff together. I think this team can be really really good next year, and I, and I think the defense can win you games next year. I think the defense has won them a lot of the. I think the defense has almost really won the game against for them. Um, in the Red River Shootout, of course, it was actually a three way, three phase, yeah, three way. Yikes. Okay. Take that for what you want, guys. Three-phase game. Oklahoma won. The offense carried them when the defense couldn't, and vice versa, especially in overtime. And special teams won. And now you're just hearing my dog uh, scream because my fiance just walked in from work, but that's fine. But, guys, goodness, uh, this team could be really, really good next year. The defense could actually win them games next year. The offense could win the games next year. This, this next year, guys, I'm telling you, this next year, 2021, I'm all in. I'm ready to get my heart broken, uh, so to speak. But I could see this team putting 50, 50 points on everybody. And I could see this team keeping opponents below, you know, 21 points, 24 points a game. You know, I, be, I could see them being the best defense in the Big 12 as far as they're going with Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch and the body types and the guys are getting in. It's just incredible what they've been able to do. And I think I think that the national title year opens for Oklahoma in 2021, I don't think it closes for a while until Lincoln Riley decides to move on or Alex Grinch accepts a head coach job, really. That's all I think it'll take. But anyways, I had a lot of questions given to me from the Discord. And so, and if you guys want an invite to the Discord, you can ask me or Steven. And Steven's at OEUpdatedSB. Um, you know, um, I got a lot of great questions. And so I guess I'll answer them. So here we go. Should we legalize drugs? Um, marijuana, sure. Um, people have been doing it for thousands of years and it doesn't seem to be a bad thing. Um, I mean, there are are actual things inside your body that react to the THC that are just, they just stay dormant. So I think it's incredible what things, what, what things can do uh, for you like that medically, especially, Uh, but like, of course, like drugs, like if you're talking about methamphetamines and, uh, cocaine, probably not. Is OU gonna win against TCU? Um, I got a text from a really a really good buddy, who I love and adore, who also runs another podcast and writes for USA Today, um, for the Sooners, who texted me and said TCU could match OU uh, punch for punch and could beat them, and he could he could see OU losing to TCU. So I'm gonna say his perspective, 
and I'll give you my perspective. Um, is TCU going to win? I think it's possible. Sure, man. I think it's definitely possible. Am I ever going to feel okay? You might. You might. It might be a November 4th thing. It might be a post-2020 thing. It might be a post-pandemic thing. But, you know, we'll get there, buddy. We'll get there. Is Kamiar a hoe? Um, for show. Kamiar a hoe? For show. Getting that. For show. Thoughts on China? Uh, China, you know what? I have certain thoughts about them. Um, yeah, I def- definitely do. And I-, I think they've done some things that just aren't savory. Um, and I'm not gonna, I'm really not going to get into it because I don't want to be political on it. But it's just like, you know, CCP, uh, God, man, they suck. Like, they just suck. Uh, the people are great. I mean, I went to grad school and I went to undergrad with several Chinese students that they were in the Communist Party. And I was intrigued to know why. And uh, we asked them. And um, they said that, I mean, growing up, they were promised, you know, in their in their way, they were promised that they would get good jobs and they would get the best education and they would be in a better place in life. So, like, if you know, the regular people, sure. I mean, like, I think they're great people. I think I think a lot of people are great, but I think, of course, the government though in China maybe not so much. Don't think highly of them. Now, how many shirts will Gary Patterson go through? Well, you know, man. I think since it's going to be, I think, what, the 24th when Oklahoma plays them of October, I think he just, I think he stays with the one. I think it's kind of like a sweater turtleneck sort of thing. So I, I really think he only goes through, has that one. Yeah. Should Oklahoma run out to Patterson's country song to troll? Well, I don't, I don't think the opposite team gets a run out song. So no, I don't. And the last question, of course, is a great one. It's a history question, a modern Europe question. Do you think the results of the Franco-Prussian War were a primary factor in the belief that World War I would be finished quickly? Prussia is, man, for, the, for those of you who don't know what Prussia is, Prussia used to be a really good country. It used to be a military powerhouse. Um, I think you're onto something there, man. Yeah, I, I, would, I wouldn't say it's a primary factor, but I would say it's definitely a secondary factor, and I would say it definitely is a factor of why People thought people were able to run through France so quickly or, or would be able to run through France so quickly. But at the same time, like, you know, they didn't account for trench warfare and things that would make war incredibly slow and not very accurate and stuff like that. But that's about it for me, guys. Um, this coming week, we're, again, we're going to have another TCU podcast on. It'll be me, Jack, and Steven and another guest to preview tcu and then to talk about you know how we what we think might gonna ha- what might happen and maybe we might find a little bit more about covid cases during this week i mean i'm not, I'm not expecting anything big but who knows and maybe about more information about ronnie perkins and the justin harrington's tweet but anyways follow us at crimson and every day there is something dropping from alan kenny from seth from from jack from anybody there um and so just give, give us a follow on the website it's brought to you guys by SB Nation. Give Jack follow. You can follow him at, at CC Machine or at Jailer Shields. I'm at K Morabian CCM. You can follow Steven at OEFDSB. You can follow Alan Kenny at Blatant Homerism. Guys, we're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're pretty much on any other podcast app. So, I really appreciate it if you give us a five star review. And if you are listening for the first time, uh, subscribe. And, you know, and also give us a five star review for listening for the first time. So, thanks for listening. We'll check you guys later in the middle of the week. Bye.